0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Oh, and we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. Around 11, 20 a.m. Eastern, I want to get the thoughts on the booth also. If you're really upset about it and you're a writer, you've proven... You've lost touch with your customer. That going off of what Peter and I just talked about last segment when John Tavares came back, uh, to the, came back to Nassau with the Toronto Maple Leafs against the New York Islanders. Of course, we are in draft season now. It is the Combine. It's in Indianapolis. So to talk about it, we welcome in Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports NFL draft writer, at Chris Trapasso on Twitter. Chris, thanks for joining us this morning.
2: Thanks for having me on.
1: Chris, I'm smelling, I'm smelling something bad. I'm smelling some BS here because I got questions. Arizona's sitting in number one. I keep hearing about Kyler Murray possibly going at number one, and the reason I'm smelling some BS is if all this is possible, how does Steve Kime still have a job where? He was the guy who hired and fired Steve Wilkes. He's the guy who drafted Josh Rosen 10th overall. They have Cliff Kingsbury in here. They're basically giving Cliff Kingsbury a ton of power, if that's the case. And they're just going to take Kyler Murray, a bit of an unorthodox quarterback, at number one overall. I feel maybe they're creating a market for the number one overall pick. Tell me that there might be fire with this smoke about Kyler Murray.
2: Yeah, um, a lot of what you just said is a lot of the buzz here in Indianapolis at the Combine that... Is this really true? Why would the Cardinals come out and be so forward about this? They have the first pick. They wouldn't necessarily have to kind of drum up all this talk about Kyler Murray. They could just pick him number one. And I think with Steve Time, that's a great point that a lot of people are asking how he still has a job and how he seems to have, you know, a lot of power to kind of go the unorthodox route with Cliff Kingsbury and potentially Kyler Murray. Um, This is a team that's in a rebuilding stage. I mean, Josh Rosen, had a bad rookie season last year, but the roster around them, the offensive line, the defense has kind of um, fallen off from where it was when they were going to the playoffs. They need receivers. Um, so I think they could be kind of drumming up some uh, trade-up situation where they could get a huge haul for some of these teams picking in from about pick number six to the middle of the draft to come up and get Tyler Murray. I, I will say that at this point, we're still relatively early in the pre-draft process, it seems like with the weigh-in two days ago, Kyler Murray is the odds-on favorite to go number one overall. Tomorrow, Nick Bosch is going to be on the field. I think if he has a great workout, it'll kind of go back to him getting some momentum. Um, but yes, there's definitely some smoke here um, because it, it just doesn't really add up why the Cardinals would be, you know, so forward about not liking Josh Rosen anymore after one season and really falling in love with
1: Kyler Murray. Chris Trapasso joining us on the show, CBS Sports NFL draft writer. Does it bother any of the teams that we're hearing Kyler Murray isn't throwing this week?
2: No, I don't think so. Not that anyone that I've talked to or or just even anyone in the media. Not a big deal because most of the time, and Sam Darnold was the only quarterback who didn't throw last year, he still went number three overall. Most of the time when the quarterbacks, are near the top of the draft and not just the first quarterback pick, but potentially the number one overall selection. Um, sometimes they just don't want to throw. And I don't think that's a huge deal. He's going to have his pro day where he's going to complete pretty much all his seems like there's a school of thought with most trainers and most agents, not all of them, but that, Hey, get back to your school, get with your, uh, um, get back with your trainer and, um, script that pro day and look better closer to the draft than throwing here at the combine where you're not throwing to receivers you know Um, there could be some subtleties in the route they could drop some passes Um, it's just not the best environment so I I don't hate it for Kyler Murray and I certainly understand it
1: does it help a guy stock if he elects to pass like Baker Mayfield who was famous last year he's gonna throw in the combine oh we gotta see Baker Mayfield throw does it help that much uh,
2: I think it can help, um, and I think when there's, when there's agents or trainers who tell these top quarterback prospects, oh, don't throw, you don't want to look bad, I don't really think any front office, any general manager, any scouting department is going to knock a quarterback if a few of the balls hit the turf here in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly if you have a bigger arm, which Kyler Murray, you could say, being only five foot ten, he has a pretty good arm. Does he have a great arm? I don't know about that. So it's usually really good for someone like Cam Newton who threw back in uh, 2011. Guys that have bigger arms that can really air it out. Josh Allen threw last year, went number seven overall. Um, it, it seems like some agents and some trainers are just a little sensitive and think that if a few, if a few passes hit the turf, um, then a quarterback stock is going to drop. But I don't really think that's the case.
1: It's March 2nd, and I feel like having some fun. If you're Dave Gettleman, are you trading up to make sure you can get Dwayne Haskins?
2: I think so. I don't know if, if Dave Getteman will do that. They seem so stuck on Eli Manning um, and a lot of old-school thinking that, you know, with going all the way back to last year to pick Saquon Barkley number two overall, they get, you know, the NFL rookie of the year on offense, but was there great value there? No. I mean, Saquon Barkley's probably a generational back, um, but they didn't get great value there, and I think they truly believe that organization loves – Eli Manning, and they want to build around him. Should they take um, Haskins? I absolutely think so, because it's only one year as a starter at Ohio State, he would be in a perfect situation to sit for a season, learn um, the complexities of an NFL playbook, kind of acclimate himself to the speed of NFL defenses in practice, or if he played later in the season. It would be a great situation. Do I think the Giants are going to do that?
1: Not necessarily. Chris Trapasso joining us on the show, CBS Sports, NFL draft writer. So you just mentioned the term old-school thinking. Is that a bad thing to you for Dave Gettleman?
2: It's so weird because he helped with the Giants organization about a decade ago when they were winning the Super Bowls, and he did a good job in Carolina, got them to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that with the way that the NFL is evolving, that we're seeing – quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, like Jared Goff, like Patrick Mahomes, that coming from that wide open Big 12, um, you know, air raid offenses where they're never under center. They're throwing to four and five wide receivers on every play. They're pushing the ball down the field, a lot of screens. That used to be toxic. If you were an air raid quarterback, no one wanted to pick you. And, or if they did pick you early, you were going to bust. It's kind of becoming the new age West coast offense where every Team has some type of concepts in that way. So I think you need to be evolving to stay up with the L.A. Rams, with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and I just don't know if Dave Gettleman, which he's been a great evaluator for decades, I just don't know, at least based on what he's been saying to the media, maybe he's just giving us you know, not exactly what he wants to do, but I haven't really heard much from him um, that looks like he's progressing forward. Into like the next age of the NFL, especially on offense.
1: What is the most worthless drill at the combine? Uh, and for what bench position? Press. Bench press. Uh, probably the bench press because. And it was funny yesterday
2: with the offensive lineman on the bench, or actually two days ago now. Um, you know, some guys that when you watch them on film, they're not that strong. They get pushed back into the quarterback a lot. Ended up doing a lot of bench press reps and. People were like, oh, hey, look, this guy's strong. A lot of uh, what goes on, especially in the trenches, is about the lower half of the body. you got to be really strong in your legs, in your hips, in your midsection. It's not necessarily you know, how many times you can rep on the bench press. And I think maybe for offensive linemen, maybe for quarterbacks even, that drill to me I don't really think translates very much to the NFL level.
1: Why do punters run the 40-yard dash?
2: <sighs> for the one-time... Uh, in their career, they might run a fake punt maybe. I I really don't know. I just think that. Would you, yeah, would you uh, draft
1: somebody based on their 40 if they could run well, like, oh, we could run some fake punts with this guy?
2: No, definitely not. I think the NFL just realizes that punters are people too and they want to give them the full experience here <laughs> in
1: Indianapolis. So it's basically like the fat man relay at a track meet in high school.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically.
1: <laughs> Chris Trefasso joining us on the show. What's the deepest positional group in this draft?
2: Um, one of two spots, um, edge rusher or uh, wide receiver. And we're seeing the wide receivers test today. J.J. arcego whiteside this big rebounder from Stanford, had a 43-and-a-half-inch vertical. And that definitely translates to a game, to the field, in the red zone. There are so many big wide receivers, um, and there's so many good, polished, really talented edge rushers in this class.
1: Is there a group you would stay away from? I don't really
2: like the off-ball linebacker class. Uh, there's a couple guys at the top, Devin White and Devin Bush from LSU and Michigan. They're in the you know, modern-day linebacker mold. that They're slow, smaller, really athletic. After that, there's a pretty huge drop-off. Um, and I don't know if teams are going to be able to get starters like they normally do at that position in the second or third round this year. Uh, not a great class at the linebacker spot.
1: Who stock rose the most this weekend yet? Already, I mean, I
2: think Kyler Murray. Honestly, I mean, it
1: was really, for as as you know,
2: inconsequential. Seemingly, it was for him to just measure in. Almost everyone I talked to thought he was going to be well under five ten. A few people I talked to thought he was going to be five eight and change, and that he was going to have a really, really tiny hand, like under nine inches, or lower eights to have nine and a half inch hand is normal NFL quarterback size. And to mm. be over five ten and over 200 pounds was big for
1: him. Does it matter to have big hands? Cause it does seem to be that most quarterbacks who are pretty accurate do have big hands. It, I, 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 try to fight that, but it seems to go, this is going to be a bad pun, Chris hand in hand. Oh my <laughs> God. That you got to have big hands to be a good quarterback.
2: Um, I think teams worry about it because there's only really, I mean, recently, been two quarterbacks who've had varying levels of success at the nfl level that have hands under nine inches mike vick and tony romo and the rest you know there aren't any quarterbacks who have been good that have small hands i think not only about accuracy but it's when you know it's windy when it's rainy when they get hit can they hold on to the football and not uh fumble when they're sacked i think it's not obviously what makes a quarterback good but you probably need hands above nine inches to be a good quarterback in the NFL.
1: Who is the sleeper quarterback in this draft?
2: Two guys. I'll be quick. Tyree Jackson is your big Josh Allen type. He was the biggest quarterback ever at the combine mm-hmm. yesterday, 6'7", 245 pounds, well over 10-inch hands. Kind of a project, but you know has all the tools. And then Brett Rippin from Boise State is the polar opposite. He's smaller, but he stays inside the pocket. He can get through his reads really quickly, not a big arm, but knows how to find his receivers who are open and very accurate. Teams that value that over the physical tools can get a really experienced, polished pocket passer in Brett Rippon from uh, Boise State.
1: Chris, you're beautiful. Thank you for the time, my friend. All the very best to you. Hopefully we'll talk to you again before the draft. All
2: right, guys, anytime. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Chris Passo, joining us on the show. 855-2124 CBS. Want to break down something he said when we come back, and also you prove it if you are upset about it. If you're a writer, you prove that you don't know your customer anymore. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Tom, this is called the Gauntlet they're doing. That's right. I just what did I call it during the break? The guy gets hit in the face the drill. High
0: in the face drill.
1: Yep, because every year <laughs> they start off there at the sideline. You turn around, you catch one. You turn around again, you catch another, and then you go down the side or you go down the yard marker. You catch like four passes, then you turn and you burn. Look at these guys. Look at Dawson Knox. Look at him go.
0: Noah Fant I, man, something else. Everybody loves Noah Fant man. Ball hitting the ground though in his gauntlet. Well, you know that's.
1: This is my guy right here, Alize Mac. Your name is Alize? Oh God, he's dropping everything. Never mind. He looks like he drank a little bit of Alize before he started the drop. Okay, all right, eight five 4 CBS. I I love the combine. Can you believe they used to keep this under lock and key, Tom? No. Like makes no they sense. used to they used to this was so they would have never, twenty years ago, no cameras, nothing. It was all at the RCA dome and it was all secret. And all these players came and no cameras were allowed. And everybody snuck in there and it was all under cloak and dagger. And then you you you, you, you did the whole drill and this type of stuff was kept away from us.
0: It's the still too secret. It's still too closed.
1: Oh well, yeah, but they don't because they don't let writers in there. Yeah, you can. It's it's so weird. You have it in a great big stadium. They raffle off tickets. They don't let the writers in there. They don't let any of the other media, other than the NFL Network, covering it in there. Uh, maybe it's because they think they're going to turn around and yell in the seats. Maybe because it takes something away. Just have a media section they can sit in. Who cares? I don't even care if they let the public in. I don't understand. Well, you got You can't have too many people in there. You got to keep it restricted. That
0: part I agree with, because you're trying to get you are trying to get some work done. This is a job interview, right? Right. They're in the stands. You're on the field. What what is what do they in the stands have to do with the I'm work What I'm saying on the is, field? if you want if
1: you want to let a th- couple thousand
0: in or something yeah, like I mean. that, you go that's right I mean. on. Okay. All
1: right. Yeah. But you can't have.
0: You can even you can't just have, have the them place. upstairs. Let nobody in the lower bowl. Only oh, that's the a upper good deck. point. Yeah. Sell
1: premium tickets. People would buy it totally. They're like, hey, we you, we we'll open up. I'm sure they have a club at the end zone or something like that. So bear with me here. I've never been to Lucas Oil, but I'm sure they're like, hey, we'll open up so and so club. Fifteen hundred bucks to get in, thousand bucks to get it. People will buy it. People love football. I'll do anything for football. These guys are walking around in shorts and t-shirts. People are watching them like crazy. They love them. 2124 CBS. Speaking of writers, we just had we had Peter in, and Peter is a hardcore Islanders fan. By the way, that interview with Chris Trapasso going up on the website soon. Great stuff with him. I told you about Kyler Murray, and I'll tell you more about him later on. We had Peter in, and Peter's an Islanders fan, and he took a little bit of umbrage with some people giving Islanders fans some heat. And one thing that's bothered me over the last, and this has been this has been fairly recent. This has been about five years. Something that's bothered me here, and I think that a lot of fans know, we're here in an entertainment business. I talk, I BS, you listen, you don't listen, you like it, you don't like it. It, it. I'm trying to capture your year. And it's the same thing, honestly, when it comes to sports writers. We're not talking politics here. I'm not talking about going over to enemy lines and capturing what's going on up front and, and giving us the story back from the war. We're not talking that. We're talking sports. And some of it can be serious, but most of it's just based in entertainment. 90% of sports writing can be based in entertainment. And, and sports covering is based in entertainment. And there's good, strong journalism for the other 10%. But when we cross the line, when we're writers and we're also television personalities, we're also radio personalities, there's a lot of us that I think tend to forget over time just who we're talking to, the customer that we're talking to, the sports fan. And there is a line of decorum. I don't think that, hey, let's not be throwing animals out there under the ice or anything like that. That's a little bit much. But if fans are upset and a couple of words are said in John Tavares' direction from a group of fans, it's supposed to be home ice advantage, isn't it? You are supposed to try to create an advantage as a fan. You're told to whoop it up. That's part of what being a fan is. And something that's as old as the hills that people don't realize why people get mad at athletes in the first place because they leave. Because 80% of us, You're born in an area, you live in an area, you die in an area. That's where you stay. And so when I hear from somebody else, well, gosh, if you had a job somewhere else and you could move, wouldn't you do it? Why would people yell at you? We're not talking about office jobs here. Nobody's coming to my office rooting for me. No one's wearing my jersey or my suit as I'm coming from the office. It's a big deal. In, in, in a way, no matter what you're saying, you're saying, I'm bettering my situation. My situation is better somewhere else. You're still stuck in that, gener- in that situation. That's a generational thing, year by year, person by person. And so fans should be upset. It's only natural if a player leaves. When John Taveras left, when LeBron left, when Kevin Durant left, when Kyrie Irving leaves, when any of it happens, it, it, fans should be upset it's a natural and, dare I say, healthy thing to see. But when we usually get the op-eds and we usually get the talking down and people can't believe, I cannot believe Oklahoma City fans are upset that Kevin Durant left. I can't believe that they want to stick it to the Warriors and stick it to Kevin Durant with what they have with Paul George and with Russell Westbrook. What do you mean you can't believe that? The only thing you're really exposing, you're not exposing some sort of craziness from fans. You're not exposing some sort of a a rubish, buffoonish behavior from fans. You're really exposing to everybody that you've lost touch with the customer. You're a conduit. From point A to point B, you're the line in between. I'm the line in between. Fans don't usually talk to players. Players don't usually talk to fans. They're in an entertainment business. I'm the one that describes the entertainment of what goes between. I'm the conduit to it. But my customer isn't the players my customer are the fans. the people I'm supposed to talk to are the fans and so it always makes me laugh It used to make me upset now I just get I, I just think it's funny when we have these great big long diatribes on midday talk show television that have taken over Phil Donahue and Sally Jesse Raphael and all the other ones that used to be in the past now it's sports talk television where they have these great big uh, great big diatribes where these players need to be empowered. You don't understand players in 2019. Fans don't understand players in 2019. The chasm is bigger because the money's more different, and fans don't really need to care to understand players in 2019. You signed up for the business. You're in entertainment. 99% of fans, yes, they're going to say something in a, fans, in a player's direction. Yes, it isn't always going to be kind. Some people, the 1%, do go over the line. I'm not trying to absolve them of any responsibility, but 99.9% of fans, it's a sports hate, it's a sports dislike, it's a sports meanness, and I think we're being a little bit sanctimonious in my business when we're calling you out about it. Because the base, the backbone of our business are people being upset that players leave. People should always be upset that players leave because if a player leaves, you still need fans in Cleveland and Oklahoma City and Milwaukee if it goes down and certainly New Orleans when it does go down that are going to buy tickets. That's just the NBA. I can look all over the place. The league is supposed to be bigger than New York and L.A. and Miami. The league is supposed to be coast to coast. And the flyover states, and Bill Maher said this last week about something much more important than this, are not the passed over states. So when fans get upset because a player leaves, I don't really need to understand what that player is going through. That's what the money's for. The fame, the fortune, the money, that's what you signed up for. What you do in your professional life as a player, when you leave my team or come to my team, that's based in my entertainment. That's it, and that's all. I don't need to hear about all the tough things that you've been through. I don't need to hear about all the personal problems that you have. I don't need to even understand that. I really don't. If I choose to, that's fine. But I don't need to because as a customer, as a fan, the proverbial fan, I have my own problems I have to deal with. I've come to you for escape. I don't need to deal with your problems. I got enough of my own. And I don't need people on television telling me that I need to understand your problems. Again, I got enough of my own. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up next, baseball. You got the first part down. Now take advantage of the second part. Promote, 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 good and bad. Everything that comes with Bryce Harper. You're listening to Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. Hey, Tom, Chris, should I try to do the read as, like, the guy from Westwood 1? Please. Please. All right. From David Lee, coming down. 3, 2, 1. Tomorrow at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific on CBS Sports Network. Get ready for a tough defensive battle as the San Antonio Commanders collide with the Birmingham Iron. It's the Alliance of American Football on the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. Scale of 1 to 10, how was that? That was like an
0: 8. Was
1: really? Good. Really? Yeah. really? What do you think, Chris? I'll give it a 7. I enjoyed it. No way! Are you serious? Yeah. How about that? How about that? 855 I'm going to talk about Bryce Harper here in a moment. Jason Wenton. I'm amazed at the internet. The internet shamed Jason Witt so hard that he went back to playing football. He's revered. He's respected. He's a Hall of Famer as a football player. As a broadcaster, he was basically an out and disaster. I don't think he'd show his ass like I just did and decided to do an entire read like David Lee, but still. Monday Night Football's got a problem. And CBS, you have, and obviously I know we're CBS Sports, but let's be serious here. At CBS, Ian Eagle, by the way, have you guys noticed, Tom, Ian Eagle has been getting some serious run lately, and and rightfully so?
0: Yeah, deservedly so.
1: Like, he was the best-kept secret in NFL football for, like, 20 years and was always good with Bill Raftery and, obviously, with Mike Fratello And was always good in the NBA. He's just a good play-by-play guy. To the point where I respect him so much, I always get nervous and I mess up his name or I mess some stupid question up when I interview him. He actually knows about this. Or at least he did. Uh, I love Ian Eagle. But CBS, you know, you got some kick-ass guys. And the booth, and I mean nothing against Phil Simms whatsoever. I don't mean anything nasty in his way. It was a respected booth before. But... I think that everybody can tell Jim Nance is having a blast with Tony Romo. Tony Romo has been fun. And I think it's made that booth fun and it's made that it's made that game can't miss television. And I think it's taken over for still a good booth in in Joe Buck and Troy Aikman who also do a fine job. You got heavy hitters at both of those networks. Sunday Night Football Chris Collinsworth isn't my favorite. Chris Collinsworth is still a guy I respect for his football knowledge, but we've had fun with it where you look on the internet, you look anywhere you want, and they show Al Michaels, and he's – Standing there, or he's usually sitting there, I should say, looking up at the camera. He's holding the microphone. He's got his quarter zip on. And then in slides, Chris Collinsworth, and the place goes crazy. And Chris Collinsworth has his quarter zip on. And here's two guys talking football, getting ready for basically the game of the week. And it is really good stuff. You have three of those networks that got CBS, Fox, NBC. They just have the Cadillac. And then you look at ESPN on Monday night. And I got Joe Tessitore, who is easily the most excited guy in the stadium of an NFL broadcast where if you've noticed the NFL, it's always better to start out a little bit low, start out with some reverence there, depending on the game, start out with some reverence there, and then build up to it. I think Joe Tessator would be better with college football. Then you don't have Jason Witten anymore, but you did, and people used to make fun of Jason Witten. I could nearly, I could never hear what he was saying. He never really talked. And then you had Booker McFarland down in the Deer Blind, and basically what he was excited for was getting in everybody's way. If you're ESPN right now, what do you do, Tom? Is Mike Tariq I'm serious. Is Mike Tarico open? Because I know he'd like to come back and do football again. I if don't. you're
0: ESPN, what's what's the booth? Yeah. Tariko's not open. He left. He's on to his NBC future. But I'm saying, he's,
1: is his is his NBC contract up? Does he does he have an out? No. Because I know that he'd like to do games again.
0: Yeah, but he's waiting for Sunday Night Football. He's now got a bigger role in the Olympics. He's even doing soccer and all kinds of other stuff. He'll be doing golf for them. Has been doing golf. So Did- there's more to offer. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's going back. That's the guy I would like to see. I think the guy that they need to replace Witten with is Peyton Manning. Who passed on it last time? I'm not sure that his uh, retirement is going exactly the way that he thought it would. I think he thought he was going to have bigger, more opportunities, bigger opportunities open to well, him. Well, ever since
1: the pizza guy had his falling out, he's yeah, kind of been possible. playing a he's low profile. Now.
0: It's possible. I, I
1: think Peyton, Peyton Manning would be good. Now, obviously, I know Joe Thomas well enough. I, w- I wish he would do it, but I kind of don't because I think there's a bunch of pressure on whoever does it. I think Peyton Manning lends some instant credibility and fun.
0: Warner, He's a Kurt Hall of Warner Famer. can do it too.
1: I think Kurt Warner would be fantastic. I'm serious. I, I, I love Joe Thomas, but I'm, I'm afraid that, yeah, there would be some growing pains as there are with every new guy. And I, I think there's a ton of pressure on that booth right now. I think we're looking for the next big thing for ESPN on that Monday night booth. And now it's just became a place where we go and we clown on the three guys who are in the booth. Maybe they do something dramatically different. Maybe they do bring in Andrea Kramer. Maybe they do bring in – I mean, I, honestly, because I don't know where else they go. Chris, do you have a theory for any of this about who should be the three-man booth? I really like Kurt Warner stepping in there and helping out.
0: He did a couple games last year, I think one of the Saturday night or two of the Saturday night games Kurt last Warner's year for good. NFL Network, and he's yeah, really Kurt good Warner's and
1: well-respected. Got a good look, the whole thing. I think he'd be good. You got to get Booger McFarlane out of the deer blind. Who leads it, though? Do you put Joe? Do you keep Joe Tessitore there? I like Joe, but I would. I, would, I love I would him doing everything him. else. I yeah. love him doing everything else, and and it's a shame because I hear Sean McDonough, and I think baseball back in the day, and I think college football and college basketball. There's you notice this. There's only a certain few guys who are synonymous with football, with the NFL. I mean, where they are an NFL voice, they're a guy who does the NFL. They do that game like Brad Nessler has done a lot of college football. Brad Nessler to me can do NFL and obviously do it very, very well. It might be able to lead something like that. He's had fun before him and Todd Blackledge back in the day have had a lot of fun. I think he could, I think he could make it a bit of an entertaining booth. Other than that, and we've done this all in Tom, you and I have talked about this before because we're so saturated with ESPN three and ESPN four and CBS sports network and CBS sports HQ and everything where you have so many different options to choose from. If you notice, and I hate, I hate saying this because some of them are friends. Tom, did you ever notice that it seems like play-by-play guys are made out of a factory anymore? Yeah. Like they all look like Lego characters, except with different hair and they all sound the same. And there's just so many of them before there was Keith Jackson. And here's Brent Musburger. And you are looking live. And now it's just, Here's nameless, faceless guy who there's, sounds like every other nameless, faceless guy.
0: Yes, there's no more variation of approach.
1: Nothing. It's nothing. the
0: same approach that everybody takes. Toriko kind of breaks that mold. I think you hit it on the head with Toriko. Well, s- the best Tariqo's possible be- booth is Toriko and Manning to me right How old now. Is he? But they How can't old bring is him back. How old is him Mike? Back.
1: But he's the problem is, how old is Mike Tirico?
0: He's not, he's not that old. They're he's got to be in his back. 50s. He's, he's got to be in the which, he's 52. which is still, he's in prime age to do this. He,
1: actually. he is in good age. I grant you that. But where, you got some of the young guys there, and I'm going, who, who's this fella? I don't know who the hell this guy is. I'm 32. I'm not the youngest guy ever, but I'm certainly not the oldest guy ever. And I see guys my age, and I go, you're just like the rest of them. Separate.
0: Have fun. Now, if they broke the bank for your guy, Ian, and paired him with Kurt Warner or something like that, that would also be excellent. I just don't, that hasn't been their model, and it would be very surprising to me if they almost uh, pumped up CBS in that way of like throwing money at a CBS broadcaster, because clearly ours can't do it, McDonough and Tessator and whoever.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I like I like those guys. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit there and, and talk trash about those guys. Joe Tessitore is fantastic and, and has done big moments and is a lot of fun. I just look at him as if he were there, if it were Joe Tessitore and you saw that opening look, and it's the, it's the drone going over because it used to be a plane or a blimp. And you are looking at Alabama. You are looking at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And there's Joe Tessitore because the crowd's already in it. College football, the crowd's there. They have you. In the NFL, it seems that there are times where he's really excited and the crowd's just whatever. Do you notice that? Like even, like even at Kansas City where they play heavy metal between plays and things like that and it's a really fun atmosphere – he, he still seems to be a bit of a fish out of water because fans are, all right, yeah, it might be 10 nothing early, but this is the NFL. We see things differently here. Like an NFL fan, if you're a hardcore NFL fan, you are different from a hardcore college football fan. And the crowds are completely different. Crowds are up from the very beginning to the very end. They are, they are always standing in college football for the most part. And all parts of the country, it is a very big thing. You look at an NFL stadium and you see, you hear the crowd reaction, and it just it doesn't match up. It doesn't match up to me, Tom. I'm getting Pat. I'm kidding, Pat McAfee, right now. I'm just afraid he'd say cuss words. Do you agree or disagree, Tom? I don't believe I have Tom anymore. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Go ahead, go ahead, Pat McAfee. Are you afraid that he'd cuss?
0: Why no, I do not want to hear anything about him calling. I like that. I'm just football. afraid he'd cuss. He if if he gets a color job, and I have no problem with him, but we're talking about the the last Fox team. Start there and work your way up. That's the other mistake. Oh, that's that, fair. Okay. That's the other mistake that everyone's been making here, and they yeah. just made with Witten. It's a big job. It's not a job you just take somebody and chuck them in. Romo made it look that's easy. True. Romo made it look easy. Nance said by the end of their first game that they their first trial game or whatever that he knew already that the guy was a natural at it, that's rare. It's not that easy to do. Even I Peyton think Manning is a little bit of a stretch, but he's the kind of person who could. It's it's not it's not a pet
1: That's another Manning. thing. We're all looking for the next Tony Romo because Tony Romo's been a big star, a big, big star. You and I argued about that two weeks ago, whether or not Tony Romo's a bigger star now than he was as a player. I still think he was a bigger star as a player. My God, he was dating Jessica Simpson and Carrie Underwood at the same time. But he's a pretty big star. I think now, just as a different fact, and I, I hate m- admitting this, I think people respect Tony Romo now, or I don't think there was that same love of respect when he was a player. I think there's a reverence now with him where people really do respect him, revere him for what he's done. They look at him differently now. They think that he's a lot of fun. He does have that Don Meredith type of quality where he makes that booth fun, where he makes it something to see, where he's having a good time. I think that he reacts as a fan would sometimes, and he obviously knows a ton about football, so we're listening to him. He makes that a blast. And I think everybody else is trying to look for lightning in a bottle. And Jason Witten, I'm sure, is a great guy, great dad, great whatever. But he's not Tony Romo. He's not that guy. And to force certain guys into that position, Tom, I think that you're right. Pat McAfee, I think, could be really, really good. I'm, I'm honestly just afraid he might say a cuss word, and a couple of networks might be afraid of that. Let me get to Scott in Columbia, South Carolina. You're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I agree. It's, it remains to be seen he might end up being a bigger star, Romo, in, uh, in journalism and announcing that he was, uh, he was a good player during the year, but he just had the problems during the playoffs. Uh-huh. So my thing is uh, it seems like they've gone to hiring former sports players now, a lot instead of hiring journalism, people that have been to school to to do that. And it seems like they're doing on-the-job training now. And sometimes you don't know. Now, I do like having an analysis who's played because these guys that haven't played, they, they talk like they're experts on the game and they never played before. But uh, So I do like having an analysis, but it's kind of a pick and choose. You're going to have to see how they do. Uh, Tony Romo apparently seems to do, be doing better than some of them. I think some guys turn to that now, Scott, I think uh, you're
1: right. I I think you're right. Like I'm even watching and he's on ESPN now. And I thought he was a really good, good, well-kept secret. And thank you for the call, Scott. I think Dan Orlovsky could be pretty good. He's a good communicator. I think he could be pretty good at it, but I just don't know. Uh, You have, again, three of the prime booths that are there and you have an historic booth. That seems to be a rudderless ship on Monday night that is just used for people to make fun of. And it's not even the primetime game anymore. Chris in Richmond, Virginia, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead, Chris. Good
2: morning, guys. How y'all doing?
1: Doing well, Chris. Go ahead.
2: So my idea is I think they should switch it up all together and just blow people out of the water. And uh, you might think it's funny, but I think they need a female in there to make it look a little sexy, and a little attractive in there. Um, but I also think they should switch it up as far as. I mean, ABC is owned by obviously Disney. Uh huh. With ESPN. ESPN, I'm sorry, is owned by Disney. And I think, uh, you know, if you put somebody like Dwayne The Rock Johnson in there and maybe Bobby Boucher,
3: Adam Sandler, that would Ooh, be funny. Because you guys watch cr- a and be able to laugh and do all that at one time.
1: You be, did that back nice. when they tried to do that, and thank you for the call. Dennis Miller tried to do it, which I didn't even think Dennis Miller was that horrifically bad. Some people did. The sexiness and things like that, that's going to be not in 2019. You're going to look for somebody respected. You're going to look for somebody who's obviously going to be able to give and take and be able to talk the sport, be able to talk about what's going on and being able to to break down all the types of defenses and offenses that are going to be there and to tell what's going to be the real story behind the scenes. So if you wanted to bump up Lisa Salters and try something like that, if you wanted to bring in Andrea Kramer, if you wanted to put somebody else in that booth, you can go right on ahead and do so. That person's going to be there to be respected especially in this generation the other thing they've tried to do silly before they've tried to do that before and that was always the prime booth now it's it's it looks different and if i were them I'd be looking for outs in Mike Tarico's contract. I'd be willing to pay. You're paying a ton of money already. You might as well be trying to bring in a guy who definitely wants to do it again. 855-2124-CBS. We will talk Bryce Harper. Charlie Manuel joins us next. Former Major League player and manager and a World Series champion. How good is this for baseball? It's Ken Carmen on
0: CBS Sports Radio